So um, this morning, is, as you can tell, you know, we, we mixed it up a little bit. So I know that it feels really uncomfortable for you who know where your seats are. You know, it's like, I don't know. I've got to go and sit somewhere else. I know everybody around me now. Sorry. So um, I know that that's a little. Now you've got to, like, actually pretend you like people and greet them and get to know them. And that's why we've got this on this fifth Sunday. Corinne is in the children's, by the way. That's why she's, she's not here. But on the fifth Sunday, we're going to have our, our, uh, our crockpot and, you know, whatever, potluck. That's the word I'm looking for. So, um, so please stick around. Um, and if you can, we would love to get to know one another. And um, that's why the title of my message today is Koinonia. Um, because Koinonia, we've, we, this is a, the last day of the year. It's a, a communion service. Um, I love the word communion. I know it can be a little bit religiousized over the years, and, and it's got connotations to it. But the word comes, it, it literally means what we share in common. Koinonia is, is what actually, what many people or more than one people share in common, what actually only believes what belongs to one. It's to share in common. So it's communion. And uh, the word in the New Testament is often interpreted as fellowship. So um, that we get to share in common with these things. Um, and I love this scripture. I didn't I have it up for, uh, on my notes. But in Philemon 1 verse 6, it says this. I pray that the sharing of your faith, and that word sharing there is the word koinonia. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. The King James says it this way, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. That has got, this, is, this is a powerful scripture if you really dig deep into it. This has not got to go with preaching the gospel on the street corner. This is about acknowledging, and, and as I've taught before, epigenosco. It's not just knowing something in your head. It's not just having an intimate experience. It's having a, a super personal, intimate, and well-founded, precise, correct knowledge of what is in you in Christ Jesus, of knowing what Jesus has done for you. That is how your faith can become effective. Why? Because faith is knowing the Word. Faith is knowing who He is, right? And, and, and we, we, we already, what we've been given freely in grace. And, and so, you, you know, I've been teaching a, a couple of Sundays ago, uh, whenever it was, I spoke about entwined and, and how that word uh, that we see, weight on the Lord, means to, 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 uh, to, to bind together. It, 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 it really means to sort of, um, what's the word in English? Um, braid. braid, thank you. Uh, it means um, to braid together. And, and so when you wait on the Lord, it's got nothing to do with let's wait for God to show up. Wait, wait for a miracle. Let's, let's wait for this. It's becoming entwined with what already is. It's, it's appropriating what is already. And so communion, I, I don't do communion in this service very regularly because otherwise I feel, maybe it's just me, but it's so easy to make it religious. It's so easy for it to become dormant and unpowerful. But you see, when we've got the, the, the communion elements on your table, and we're going to tear that bread apart and chunk it and enjoy it, and you can have more than one just little sip of grape juice later. Um, and, and the point is that, that we're going to try and, and appropriate what is already ours. Using your imagination, understanding that, that what we share in common with Jesus is His body broken for us. His body literally was broken for us. And so we literally transpose that by eating the bread. And that's what we do. And sometimes it takes more than one mouthful. Amen. That's for me. 
I mean, and the more you do it, you can really appropriate it. And so, so enjoy, enjoy. This is really good bread, by the way. We had it baked fresh. It got out the oven this morning. And you, you're going to like it, so it's going to be a good thing. But, but you see, um, we, we just had Christmas last week, of course, and, and Luke chapter 2, I love this angel, um, if it's such a famous passage here in verse 8, there, now there were the same country shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Man, good news, good tidings. We have got such good tidings. And unfortunately, the world hates Christianity. Amen. They roll their eyes, mostly because that's, I'm talking about the world in their blindness, the world who doesn't understand that we have great tidings. And when we know what the good news is, we, it is a joy to take the good news to the world. To be equipped, like so when Brian comes about sharing the gospel and ministering healing to people, it should be something that you anticipate, you can't wait to do. Because you know what, You've, it's like walking up, would you, <laughs> just to put it practically, if, if, you had, if you were given the task of telling somebody they won the lottery, would it be a burden to you? <laughs> I just want to tell you, I'm sorry to tell you this, I'm going to feel awkward, but you won the lottery. No, you would, you would be excited to go and share the good news with them. They have just won the lottery. Yeah, you, you, I know you've been struggling and you're going to be a multi-gazillionaire, but you know, whatever. It's like, of course, there, there is an anticipation of understanding appropriated what the good news is, right? So Jesus, um, it's not always un understood what Jesus did, but I, I love John chapter 6 because Jesus preached his most controversial sermon in John chapter 6. And um, it wasn't taken well. Everybody that was running out and going far and wanted to watch all the miracles and see all the miracles happen, when he preached John 6, they were like, I don't think so. And you know what's so funny about that? There's so many lessons in John chapter 6 to learn. Is because Jesus didn't say, oh, you're, missing, you're misunderstanding me. Let me help me explain this. Just come here. I tell you what, come in, into a nice little huddle. I'll give you a cup of coffee and I'll make you feel good. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. Jesus spoke what the, the truth is, what he was given to say by the Father. And he said it very plainly and very clearly. And people could not swallow it literally and so um and what is fascinating about it he, he the topic which is very centered in the whole passage is him being the bread of life and uh, the miracle of of him dividing the bread had just happened on, and distributing the bread and so he had all these people thousands literally thousands of people around him he's just done this miracle yesterday or whenever it was just recent and so people are coming and to see oh wow that's awesome we all ate and there was all that bread left over and and so they come and they they're questioning him all about the bread and he says um in where should i start over here i don't i, I don't really want to I, they give this whole passage because I feel like we've got other important things to go. In verse 32, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then in verse 35, he says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Um, he, so he carries on talking about it, and then they grumble in verse 41. The Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Uh, because he's, and they were looking him in the flesh. So they say, well, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? You see, us humans, we're so natural. We're in, another way of saying this, we're so carnal. We, it's so easy for us to judge the outside appearance. We're so quick to say, oh, but this guy we know. And, and, and so they were doing the same. Um, in verse 47, he says, Truly I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. He says it again multiple times. In verse 51, oh, sorry, let me go back to 50. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give him will be for the life of the world. And the, Sorry, the bread that I give him for the, for the life of the world is my flesh. Uh-oh. So there he connects bread and his flesh. And then he says in verse 53, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Uh, as the living Father has sent me, and, and, I, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died. That's the talking about manna, which was the topic in the beginning of the chapter. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And then he goes on to say that in verse 63, it's the spirit gives life. The flesh is no word. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And so Jesus, as I said, people were saying, what, what, what are you talking about cannibalism? This is hard to accept. How do you, how do you say, what, what, are you, what are you saying? And Jesus didn't say, listen, guys, I'm, I'm speaking allegorically and da-da-da-da. He didn't, didn't say that. He is, he, this is exactly what he did. And he didn't mind. I mean, obviously, the thousands of people turn around and he's left with the 12. That's it. From thousands to 12. One message. And he didn't stop them. He was like, uh, you 12 want to go as well? And you know the answer. Peter says, well, where do we go? You have the words of life. You have the words of life. What's interesting is that bread is such an integrated part of, the, of you know, you see the talking about manna and, and bread, and, and we see Jesus uh, connected with bread. In fact, Bethlehem literally means the house of bread. Jesus, our Savior, was born in the house of bread. Bread. So in John chapter 12, there's an interesting passage um, because understanding these pieces of, of what bread represents, of, the, of how we partake of his bread. You know, obviously you can see if you've, you've already been in church a little while and if you're new, um, just hang in there. You know, we're not going to be carnivorous and cannibalistic here. But, but, but as, 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 as we see that partaking of his, one, bread is what he, of his body is what we're talking about. He, partaking of Jesus, communing with him, sharing what is his as making it ours. Okay, so that's what the whole topic is. 
in, in John chapter 12, you know, obviously, um, we've seen this in, in, in I, I didn't bring the, the passage of Scripture up, but in John uh, 3, you know, the famous John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, Scripture. Just before that, um, Jesus says, is talking about, just as Moses lived up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Remember, he said that just literally in verse 14 of, and then he goes on to 15 and 16 and he says, and, and we, we see that whole thing that Jesus was represented as a snake because on, because he was lifted up and he became sin on the cross. Jesus was represented as sin. Just as in the Old Testament, they had to look up at the, at the bronze serpent and who, anybody who looked at the bronze serpent would live. Those people that were dying by the thousands, they could just look at the bronze serpent and live. And to this day, we have it on all our medical, on our ambulances and doctors and hospitals. We have the bronze serpent on a pole. Isn't it awesome? Every, they, they don't even know it, but they represent it. They got Jesus on the pole. Jesus, yes, look at the bronze serpent, people. That's awesome. So what, what's powerful about this in John chapter 12, um, I'm going to read, where should I say? Um, so he's in a place um, and somebody hears that the, the people hear a voice and the father spoke to him and they said and in verse uh, 29, the crown that stood there heard it and said it had thundered and others said an angel has spoken to him and Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Now, that, um, if you go back one verse to verse 32, would you, Rochelle? Um, he said, um, that, that is a very critical piece of scripture. Because he said, he said now I'm going to read um, in, going to go, let me take it back a little bit to verse uh, 31. Now, say now. now. Now is the judgment of this world. Does it say later? Does it say that, does it use future tense? There is going to be. No, it doesn't. It says now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Now, if we go and study that out in, in, in Revelation 12, we see what happened when, when Satan was cast out of heaven. You know, that, you know that Satan doesn't have access to heaven anymore? He's no longer there. He can't do the Job thing. He can't go to the throne of God. He's no longer in heaven. He was cast out of heaven. But you've got to believe this scripture first before you start jumping and reading, quoting Job to me. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Now, this is one, probably one of the most badly translated passages in the New Testament. Simply because that word people is not there. You can go and look it up in every Greek translation. There is no word people there. But it said, you know, when I'm lifted up, I'm going to just draw all people to myself. That's a lie. Jesus has been lifted up. Are all people drawn to Jesus? No. There's many that hate him. that want to kill and destroy and follow the voice of another. Not everybody, Jesus has opened the way for everybody. Certainly, all people could come to him. But that's not the topic of the conversation. If you go back to verse 31, he says, Now is the judgment of the world. And when I am lifted up, all is drawn unto me. 
If you leave the word people, all what? All judgment. All the judgment of the world is drawn unto me. That is the topic of conversation over here. So in the Darby, it's, uh, Darby's translation, which is an older translation, says this, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of the world be cast out. And if I be lifted up out of the earth, I will draw all to me. He doesn't. Darby's one of the few translations that doesn't put the word people in. Anyhow, just so that you can think about it. It is the judgment that we see so clearly represented in Isaiah 53 that he would be judged. That's why that bronze serpent, that's why he became the serpent. Because God made him who had no sin to become sin for us. That in him we might become the righteousness of God. The great exchange. The great exchange. Man. There's so many beautiful passages on the great exchange. We often go to 2 Corinthians 5. Um, I, I'm going to use just an, another one while, you know, in verse Roman, Romans 5. How about verse 6 to 11? While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the godly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, or perhaps for a good person one would do it to even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God? For if we, while we were enemies, we were, there's that word, reconciled, katalazo, exchanged. When we were exchanged to God by the death of his son, how much more now that we are exchanged, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we will also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the exchanging. I've got to change the words, otherwise we get religious. The word reconcile is the banking term. It's exchanging. Amen. Verse, uh, Colossians 1, verse 19. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to exchange to himself all things, whether on heaven or on earth, making peace. Mm. Not between men. Not amongst men, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil days, he has now exchanged in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. And like I said, you can go into 2 Corinthians 5 from verse 17 to 21. And, and we use that passage most often because the word reconcile exchange is many times. And I love that one verse in, in, in that passage, particularly in verse 20. I love this. I have to do verse 20 there. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled. Be exchanged. Now let me tell you, those people who want to on the side of like saying, oh, well, you see, and there's a lot of people, we, we recently went through a spate of it within the body of Christ, of people saying, well, sort of universalism, everybody's being reconciled, and nobody's, everybody's just going to go to heaven. No, 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 no. You are, we have been bought, the price has been paid by grace, it is free to every, every, every single person, not just 144,000 Jews, 12,000 from each tribe of Israel. It's funny how some of those religions say only 144,000 are going to get saved, right? But most of them can't tell them which, which tribe of Israel they're from or are males, circumcised males. <laughs> it's 
we just, it's weird what we do with religion. We kind of like delete things and put things in and out. It's just crazy. Anyhow, he says here in this passage, we implore you on Christ's behalf. We beg you, please be reconciled. Please be exchanged. Please. This is a gift that has to be received. By grace, through faith. And, of course, the benefits are out of this world and in this world. Isaiah 53, I'm reading out of the Young's Literal, literal this passage here. Surely, um, in verse 4, Surely our sicknesses he hath borne, and our pains he hath carried them. And we have esteemed him plagued, smitten of God, and afflicted. And he is pierced for our transgressions, bruised which is the word bleeding welts and wounds, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement or the punishment, wow, for our peace was on him, and there is healing to us. Man, that, that is still blows my mind, this good news. It's like, hold on a second. Jesus has literally taken the punishment for every sin. Listen, my brothers and sisters and friends and whoever's here today. Every sin, every mistake, every time you've missed the mark in 2023, every time, Jesus has taken the punishment, the chastisement for your sin. There's some interesting Greek words for sin. I'm not going to go into all of them, but some are missing the mark. Some are actually stepping. Parabasis means to literally step over the line, to intentionally. There's words for rebellion. It doesn't matter whether you've committed rebellion, whether you've intentionally stepped across the line, or whether you've just missed the mark of the goal. That is sin. Do you know that not living in healing is sin? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Are you telling me I'm a sinner if I'm sick? Yes. Because, you see, the religious mind can't accept that it's like... I can live nice if I don't do this and 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 I don't do this, then I'm not sinning. You self-righteous jerk. You are missing it if you do not accept, you, you miss the mark of the prize. Harmatia is to miss the mark of everything that Jesus gave us. The only way you can be righteous is by taking His. The only way. You can't live good enough for one second. Titus does say grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Grace does be, is our teacher and says that's such a powerful passage. We can't even go there because we have to unpack it. But it's, grace is our teacher. It teaches us to live right. It teaches us to accept everything. Grace teaches us. Teaches us about healing. Teaches us you're not supposed to walk in poverty. You're not supposed to walk less than you were created for. You don't glorify God by your poverty or your sickness. Listen, don't feel guilty, people. We all miss the mark. And just in case you want to go overboard and say, well, in that case, I'm just going to go all. And no, listen, sin kills. Sin's the paymaster. Don't screw it up. Sorry. Don't mess up your life. Don't destroy your life by thinking that sin is okay. 
Just like, well, all sin is the same. You know, I could just do this little one or this. Don't be stupid. Some stuff is going to hurt you just a little bit. Some stuff is going to destroy your life and your spouse's life and your children's life and everybody else's life and give you a miserable one. Sin is its paymaster. God is not the paymaster. God's already settled the debt. The debt has been paid. That's what the word ransomed and redeemed literally means. The debt has been paid. Done. You cannot go to God and say, God, I'm sorry. He's going to say, for what? God, I'm so sorry I did that. For what? What are you saying, Shannon? You, you can't. Conf- you, you cannot. God doesn't know what you're talking about. As far as the east is from the west, he separated our sins from us. The only, the only thing that you can do is not receive it. You're either in Christ or you ain't. You're either trusting him or you're not. That's why there's only going to be one great white throne judgment for everybody who thinks they can do it on their own. The self-righteous jerks or the people who haven't believed in Jesus, who is the only way to heaven by which we may be saved. Only way. Only way. Amen. Okay, so the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Remember John the Baptist. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, there's so many passages of Scripture that talks about that, uh, about the blood, uh, how, how all our sin has been dealt with. And I just don't have time to, to go into it today. But there are so many. Uh, I'm, I can rattle off the, the, the you know, uh, in Hebrews 13, it talks about the blood of the eternal covenant. God established an eternal covenant, it says in Hebrews 13, 20. Um, in, in, uh, nine, in Hebrews 9, verse 28, it says, Having been uh, offered once to bear the sin of many. In, um, in uh, 10, verse 10, We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ Jesus once for all. 10, verse 14, For by a single offering he is perfected. Listen to that one. For, can anybody read that? For all time those who are being sanctified 1017 I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more what you see you see we don't want to believe these things we don't want to take these things to heart you know why because we're scared of what we'll do if I believed that what would I get up to? Every sin has been paid for, dealt with. So in 1 Corinthians 11, when we, when we do the communion, you know, well, often this passage is used for communion. And Jesus says this in uh, verse 23, For I received from the Lord, but I delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body. Here we go. Body and bread and flesh. Do this in remembrance of all your sins. No. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. In verse 27, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Uh Uh-oh. If I've got sin in your life, you better not take the bread and the wine. 
I mean, that's what I believed. If you don't do it in an unworthy, you, know, you do it unworthily, if you've got sin in your life, don't you dare touch that bread or wine or otherwise you're going to die. <laughs> Except that's not what it's saying. That's not what to eat the, what unworthily is. Let a person who eats and drinks without discerning the body, it says in verse 29, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body whose body in whose remembrance is this he eats and drinks judgment on himself why because he's not placing all the judgment on Jesus where it's supposed to be do you see that the whole thing is if you eat it and drink it and worth anybody can eat the bread and drink the wine nothing is going to happen to you it's bread. This is a symbolic thing. It's understanding that he has taken the judgment. If you don't understand, to, to, when, you, to, when you eat it unworthily, it's because you're not seeing that he has taken my judgment. Then you're eating it unworthily because guess what? You're saying, I am taking my judgment. That's not eating and drinking the body worthily. Does that make sense? Listen, I understand you've heard a lot of other stuff over and sometimes you have to bake and cook and meditate. I have, and it still gets, it gives me life to go back. That's why it's so good to go back and meditate on this and think about this and say for real and see all the scriptures like in my Logos illustration, all of this, all, everything that I've given you, the many, many scriptures that talk about this, they only come into one consistent truth. It's all saying the same thing, Jesus the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. And so when he says, yeah, I'm not, yeah, when he says, let him examine himself, he's talking about, let's examine, it's to examine yourself in the light of approval. That's literally what the Greek word means. You are approved. I am approved. I'm examining, let me, let me say, I've got to examine myself and remember I am approved. For God loved me, he approved it. Jesus, the Lamb of God, has taken away the sin of the world. Every sin is gone. And those scriptures, every one of them, you should allow yourself to grow and boil and entwine yourself in the knowledge of what the good news is. Because that, my brother, is a message we can take to the world. That is a message when they don't see the judgment, scrawny, bony finger of some religious person poking them in the chest and saying, some self-righteous jerk. You're not self-righteous jerks. Lake Haven is not self-righteous jerks. Praise God. Thank you. So we're going to do a quick, we're going to do a video here. Um, the video is a, a few minutes long, and um, we're gonna, and then afterwards, Hen, oh, Henna's gonna come and, and do a song straight after this, and I'm, I'm gonna come back up. So when, we, when, when, uh, when this video is done, just enjoy this music. Don't stand if you don't mind. Just focus on Jesus as he wor as we worship the song together, and then I've got a few questions that we're gonna meditate on after that. We see the story of Jesus going to the cross and everything seems to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's this one character that seems to interrupt the narrative. His name's Barabbas. We don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, a leader of an insurrection, a rebel. And why he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not so sure. It's like, what? Let's, this is about Jesus going to the cross. 
So in this moment, Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy. This is, this has gone too far. There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner, a man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a rebellion. He murders people. He's a bad man. He's a thug and he's a crook. He deserves the chains and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus, what has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free, open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper? What, what has Jesus done? Who do you want? We want Barabbas. Yeah, give us Barabbas. They give us Barabbas. The Roman soldiers come up and they put the key in and they unlock Barabbas from his chains and shackles. And he walks down the platform, welcomed by all of his thug friends. Yeah, the people love me. Yeah, that's right. I don't even know who this Jesus guy is, but all I know is my people love me. There seems to be no conscience of Barabbas. There's no record of him turning to Jesus and saying, I owe you everything now, for you have set me free. No, I don't see any of that in Barabbas. God knew that. Jesus stood there, silent for he knew the will of the Father. He said, it's fine, Father. Let him have Barabbas. For Jesus knew that the Father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. Barabbas thought it was the people that set him free. No, 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 no. It was the love of the Heavenly Father.
And he's the one that took your place. He's the one that stood silently on the platform with Pilate and said, yes, let him have Barabbas. Take me. How many times have I stood on that platform with Pilate and Jesus and I'm the Barabbas and they start to take my chains off and I say, no, no, I deserve this. I deserve the guilt. I deserve the shame. I deserve the consequence. I deserve it. Jesus seems to look at me, say, no, son, let me have it. Let me have your sin. Let me have your pain. No, God, I did it to myself. I deserve it. My marriage won't make it. This is what I deserve. I deserve divorce. I deserve poverty. I deserve sickness. I deserve it all. No. God, I I'm so ashamed. Give me your shame. What if I do it again? I'll still be here. Oh, God, I don't want to hurt you. I love you. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Give me your sins, son. This is all we got. It's all I got. It's all you got. We can play games. We can play church games. We can pretend like some people are better than others and that's why they're blessed or we can all come to the honest conclusion that it's God and it's God alone. The greatest challenge is not your discipline, your devotion, your focus. Your greatest challenge is believing the gospel. Could it be that there's a God with a love so scandalous, so wide, so deep, so vast, so high? so expansive, so welcoming, so inclusive. Let me have your sin, son. Okay. When I give him my sin, I stand in this empty space of forgiveness and acceptance while Jesus walks off to the cross that I deserve. I see him, I see him walking to the post to be whipped. As I stand a free man, all the attention is turned now. And I feel the love of God saying, go, son, live your life. I'll pay the price. Where did we get off thinking that we were going to set ourselves free? It's still Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It'll never stop being the power of Jesus. If his blood is sufficient for your salvation, his blood is sufficient to sustain you through every challenge and every sin and every temptation. Jesus is enough. There is peace within your presence. 
the question, how convinced am I that God cannot lie? How convinced 
am I that he doesn't change? Do I still think that he might change the rules or bend the requirements? When Jesus said, Jesus paid it all, do I believe that? Paid in full? The innocent for the guilty, the lamb for me. The new covenant of peace where he won't be angry with me again. Am I afraid to accept this reality? Do I know myself that well that I truly, if I truly believed it, that I'd rush towards that, that issue? Would I give myself permission to live in sin? Or will I use this information, will I use this knowledge, will I embrace the reality of his love Well, I imagine that he has actually bound, bound me to himself. That when he sees me, he sees righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus. That he longs to spend time with me. You might regret something in, you've done in this year or something you failed to do, some bar you set for yourself. The reality is though, if you don't release forgiveness towards yourself, this forgiveness, not some fake personal forgiveness, understanding that your price, your debt was paid, you will never be able to move away from the shackles of your, fault, your failures and shortcomings. I want to challenge you next week, 10 days, month, whatever it takes. Will you set aside five or 10 minutes in the morning when you first wake up, maybe before you even get out of bed, Will you imagine Jesus taking your price, your penalty, your punishment? When that becomes a reality in you, you do that day after day, evening after evening, something will happen in your emotions. You will feel, you will feel exchanged and not by your own goodness feel exchanged by his love and his grace and remarkable things will start happening you will start having grace and forgiveness for other people around you who don't deserve it because you know that you didn't and you don't and never will the truth is the door has been unlocked, the dungeon, the chains have been, your chains have been set free. Leave 2023 behind. Let that offense go. Send unforgiveness away. None of us deserve 
this salvation. So let's accept His love and grace with open arms. I'd like you to face your table and um, you can pour some of that grape juice in some of those cups on the table. And when you're ready, tear a chunk of that bread as much as you would like or as little. The point of this is to share this and, and, and I want you to do this meditatively, prayerfully, personally. When you, just on your own time, I'm just gonna just go ahead and when you're ready to take the bread and break it in your, and tear it, whatever you're gonna do, remember, imagine, use your imagination. It's a powerful tool. Remember, Jesus said he is the bread of life. Unless we eat his flesh and drink his blood, we can have no part of him. See yourself as exchanged as you do that. Imagine as you are chewing on a piece of bread. You can take chunks of it. I like to do that. See yourself. His body broken for yours. His punishment. Chastisement that brought us peace with God. why Hebrews forces we can boldly approach the throne of grace we can boldly take mercy and find grace to help in a time of need this is why we can Wednesday nights when we have overflow, we have the elements available. But I want to encourage you, if you feel like this, this doesn't do it justice to do five minutes. Sometimes just imagining all the things that Jesus took the punishment for. Just use your imagination. It's not there. God's not holding it against you. It's been forgiven. But to see Jesus dying on the cross with that punishment. It goes further than that. You see, he went to the grave, the grave of a sinner, and he conquered every failure. He conquered every failure. Every Every human condition, every single person, the Lamb of God, He conquered your every addiction, 
your every shortcoming. He had victory over it in the grave. And when he raised up on that third day, he took the blood of this new and eternal covenant, this covenant that will have no end. And he took that blood to the heavenly holy of holies, the real one, not the fake one that was on earth, the copy. He took it to the real one and he poured it out on the mercy seat. Interesting, right? Mercy seat, not judgment seat. Mercy seat, the blood of the new covenant. Mercy. So when you partake of the blood, his blood, you're thinking of that. Jesus did that for me. knowledge of everything that you've earned for us that you've given us it's mind blowing thank you Holy Spirit that you're our helper to teach us these things and so we lean into you Holy Spirit because you've been given to us never to leave us or forsake us to indwell us permanently So Holy Spirit, have your way in my heart. Is that your prayer? Have your way in my heart, Holy Spirit. Make these realities my reality. I choose to align my thoughts, my heart, my beliefs with this reality. This is a dawn of the rest of your life. And as you walk this road of realization, this road of alignment, it gets brighter and brighter because you see with the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your understanding, more and more of what He has done and finished and accomplished for you and will do in you so that can operate through you as well. If you will surrender to that process, to that relationship, to that intimacy, you'll have the best life yet. And I declare to you, 2024 will be your best year yet, if that is your decision will be your best year yet. That doesn't say that you will be immune from trouble 
in the world, but you have the overcomer within you. You have his wisdom and guidance, and you will know that he is intimately part of this experience, this life. I'm gonna say it again, he doesn't ever leave you. You are undoubtedly going to fall. You are undoubtedly going to miss the mark. Choose now that you will believe that you are the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, even when that happens. Use your mouth, the keys of the kingdom, declare on earth what is, what is, what is true in heaven. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say it. Say it when you fall. Say it when you don't feel like saying it because it's true. Speak it. Know that it's true. Stop beating yourself up. carry on we're going to transition this service but if you're there if you're at home and you're watching this or you're here and you have never made Jesus Lord of your of your life it starts with that it's calling out to him and saying Jesus I declare you as Lord and Savior of my life I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life it starts with a decision that's all a genuine decision now, if you're here today, we're going to go into our, our next steps of this service and, and we always have prayer ministers available. So if you need to speak to one of us or one of the prayer ministers, please know that they're up front and they're ready to minister to you. Please. There's no shame in coming if you need to speak to one of these awesome prayer ministers. Please don't think anybody's gonna think any less of you. Don't do it. If you're online, just... Text the word, um, uh, text the, the word prayer to our texting church number, which is on your screen, 352-441-3016. And somebody will be in touch with you and help you on your next steps in the journey. Amen. Hallelujah. So this is a time of koinonia, fellowship. Remember, communion is sharing what belongs to one we have shared we share in his body there is a body his body broken on the cross but there's another body this your brothers and sisters around you are part of the body this is another body to share in over this time so stick around chew on the bread we've um, got some instructions about the food that's coming up here in a second so um isn't this special, y'all? It is. If you just, as, as Pastor Shannon mentioned, if you just imagine what Jesus did and what he is currently doing. And so I asked, uh, you know, instead of just jumping from this to, you know, of course, we're going to eat. And that's an awesome Jesus egg and fellowship. Um, we can finish this moment with just uh, some song of praise and, and singing. Uh, how about that? You, you can sit, stand. It, we're not going to be long. Just reflecting and singing. Amen. This is awesome.
Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done. And we're not holding our thoughts there. We're thanking you for what you are doing. We're thanking you for what you're going to do when we arrive there whatever that there is. We love you. We yield to you. We choose to believe you over anything contrary to your word. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Are you blessed? Amen. This is a good time to clap and praise the Lord. Communion is so awesome. It's so good, especially to do it as a family in the body of Christ. So listen, we're, we're going to jump straight into the eating part of this. <laughs> Sound like some of y'all already got up. But listen, we're going to make it quick. We have a new, kind of a new way of doing this. It's going to move faster if everybody uh, comes along, uh, goes along with it. All right.